This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 702, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick for the Week, episode number 702. I am Josh Flanagan, and this is Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Who is my co-host. I feel mm-hmm. like I might have to yawn, and it's not you. Listen, if it happens, it happens. I'm, I'm just saying, it's, you know, it's a thing. We are iFanboy. We're, we're a little tired. And every week we read our stack of comics, and then one of us picks the favorite one that they had. We call that the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that book. We're going to talk about other weekly comic books from the stack. We will talk about the patron pick, the the book that that you, uh, the patrons, have decided that we should read and discuss. Uh, and and we really do want to get to our listener mail. We want to do some some questions. So hopefully that'll be the deal. There will be spoilers. We will talk about what happens in those books. That is your warning. You know how that works. Connor, you had the pick. I did, and we had the last two weeks, maybe even three weeks, we talked about how, how great the comics were and how much fun we had reading them, and there's a lot of them, and I've had three weeks in a row of over 20 books to read, but um, this week fell really flat. I didn't <laughs> have, it wasn't a great week of comics, it was a week of, like, okay yeah. to good comics, um, and some, some clunkers, as there always are, but not the high average that the previous weeks had, so when I... When I got to the end of my stack, I was a little bit frustrated because I didn't really know what I was going to do. And in, in past weeks, I had multiple options. This week, I really only had the one option, um, one realistic option, which was Harleen, number one, from DC Comics. is a black label uh, written and drawn by uh, – how are we going to do this? How, how uh, do we pronounce that name? Uh, Stepan Sejic. That sounds right. That sounds good. Um, and lettered by Gabriela Downey. And um, this is, uh, you know, the latest in DC's prestige, uh, basically Elseworlds line. We've had Superman Year One, and we've had um, uh, the, the Batman Azarello book. Now this is Harley Quinn's origin story t- as told in this prestige Elseworlds format. And in the past, when Harley Quinn... Uh, when she became the breakout character of those movies, DC really went all in on her. And I was reading the book that Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor were doing, and I enjoyed it. And then they added like some side books. And after a while, I was just like, uh, I just, too much. So I backed off Harley Quinn for a while. Um, and it's not that I don't like the character, I do. Um, it's just that there was just, she was overexposed, as what happens when, when there's big media attention. Um, so I have nothing against her as a character. I like her as a character. Uh, and I think her, I think her character in particular is interesting. Her arc as a Arkham Doctor to Joker sidekick. So I was, I was interested. I really like uh, the name you said earlier. His his work before. Um, we just say Sejic. Sejic's uh, art, I think, is terrific. He's got a really interesting style. Um, at times, it's almost like rudimentarily painted, which for some reason I really like. Um, and it, he's he's shown up here and there DC stuff never for too long, but I think he's got a really fun art style. And there are some things done in this book I hadn't seen in comics before, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and I just really enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed the character of Harley. She's smart and competent, but very insecure and dogged by rumor her whole life, and that's shaped who she is. And then she has a fateful and random encounter with the Joker in the street of Gotham as he's running from Batman. And that's, that sort of changes her. And then she ends up at, Gar- at Arkham Asylum. Um, and that changes her further. I really liked this issue. Um, didn't realize how controversial it would be to like this issue based on the reaction. But um, I thought, I, I thought it was a really solid, I mean, it's an Elseworlds story, but I'll, but they, but then again, it feels very solidly in the old DCU uh, in many ways. And, uh, I quite enjoyed it. I know you read it by by chance. What did you think of it? Um, I don't like Harley Quinn. Mm. I think that in general, obviously, like the I think the overexposure has tended to highlight that for me. 
Like, I, I really, like, kind of avoided it. But really, I, I, I don't know that I... I think for a time I thought I liked her because lots of other people did as a character. Mm-hmm. But it turns out I really didn't. I didn't mind her in the context of the, the Batman animated series from when she came. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I just, I, it's not even that I don't like it. I just don't care. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's... I th- like, I think the psychology behind it is interesting. Like, you know, her story you were just talking about. But something about it, I just kind of don't. I don't know. Doesn't doesn't it's, do anything it, for me. It is part of the larger trend, which we talked about many times, of of you know the the popular villain becoming sort of an antihero character. And that yes, and that had a lot, which I don't buy with the Joker. I think that that's a big mistake or, or Harley. Character. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and maybe that's where it falls a little short. Um, I didn't like this book. Um, <laughs> I it was very. I mean, it was, it's, it's hard to explain why. I, again, I don't think it was bad. It's just I wasn't invested and I wasn't interested. It was very long and I felt like we spent a lot of time on these like inner monologues. Like, am I good enough? Is it okay? Are we going to, I just don't care. Um, <laughs> and I'm not, he's done more painterly stuff. This was a little more straight up cartooning, which I kind of liked, but I didn't really like the production of it, like the, the coloring. And, and I really didn't like the Joker in this. He was way too charming and which is the point by the way he's supposed to be i just like the thing about the joker to me is i i have a i almost have a a stronger idea of what the joker is versus what batman is and i know that there are different takes that you can do them and they're all they're all valid but i don't like the joker as cute mysterious boy i just think it's it's interesting because the question is is it her view of him yes no and i I think that's it I, i believe it absolutely is or even if it like that's a valid interpretation of it for sure. I just didn't enjoy it, mm-hmm. um, and sort of going through it, I just felt like the writing could have been tighter. Um, yeah, that the, the, my only criticism would be I would I would think there was a lot of this that could have been cut down a little yes. bit. Yeah, um, totally. He does these like um, these books for I don't know. I guess it's Top Cow. He came from Top Cow, yeah. Yeah, but like he does like writes and draws these books from the, that you're sort of like like sort of psychological but also like like erotic thriller kind of like drama books um we used to when we used to get packages from image all the time i would look at them sometimes and like i don't know it was weird they were they were like uh not quite red shoe diaries level but sort of like in that and this felt a little like that and then also because i know these are the black label books but there's this weird bit in these books where this happens in all of them. You'll be reading the book, and then all of a sudden in the middle is a big glaring fucking, like the mm-hmm. word. And I get that they can swear, and it doesn't matter, but when you're so used to these characters in comic books not swearing, and then you just sort of do it once, when it isn't really necessary, it's not even done as like a dramatic pause, like it sticks out to me. I'm like, oh, this is a different thing. Um, so it feels like they're just doing it to do it, um, which is, you know, that's happened in a lot of these books. It's just a thing I noticed with these. Yeah, I, I, you know, I read it. I was glad it was over. I wasn't like, this was, I really wasn't like, this is garbage, this is terrible. I was actually surprised that it was sort of as well done as it is. Um, but it just, like, you know, not for me, really. The, the, well, the cursing aside, the, that's something I'm getting used to because they do it in the, car, in the live action shows and the DC app. And I'm sort of, at this point, getting used to right. um, DC characters cursing. The part that I like the best... Uh, which I thought was really well done from an art side was the um, sequence where she does run into the Joker for the first time, and then and then Batman's up fighting him and his crew in the in the mist um, on the street. And I I don't think I've ever seen um, art portrayed where the, you know it's like foggy, and then there's a there's a backlight, so all the characters like shadows are projected really big mm-hmm. into the into the into the fog. Um, and so there's a great panel where she's standing there watching Batman punch joker and they're but they're projected very large over her mm-hmm. you know there's there's sort of like titans in the mist and i don't think i've ever seen that um done in in comics before and it looked it was really striking i thought i liked the yeah. whole sequence i did too and um, i liked the um other view of you know when when batman's you know punching the joker you know you know and it makes sense her thought was you know like oh that's like he's being really violent towards this other guy who's smiling. So she's, mm-hmm. you know, you can, I, I mean, I think that that was well crafted, 
you know, and all mm-hmm. the people are cheering, like beat him up. And it's a, it is that different perspective. Like everything in this has shifted from what we're used to seeing, which is interesting. You know, like it, it's well done. Like all the people are cheering, hit him and she's in the middle, like, oh, that's terrible. And the Joker's smiling about it. So it's just, it's, uh, it's not. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think she's, she's interesting in the psychology of it and how she views the world differently. Um, you know, I'm glad it's sort of a one or two issue, not one, two or three issue miniseries. I don't even know how long it goes, but, um, I don't mind the delving into the villain's psychology in a short thing. I don't know that I want to read her as a main character again, uh, like I did before. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, a, it's again, it's the unfortunate thing that you know, it's the venom effect. It's mm-hmm. you know, when when you've got a popular villain, suddenly they, you know, put a headline them in a book, and then they're in two books, and then you know, then then they've got movies, and then suddenly it's a we've lost a character. But you know I- no, I'm just saying. But as a as a examination of her in this i really liked it i I thought the last page was great with the shadows um she's outside the the cell talking to him but the the light shows them together i thought there was a lot of really um nifty uh, visual stuff in here you know and he does get a little scary in that final conversation with her yeah and he's Um, he's i mean he's obviously a talented artist for sure but like there's a bit it's on right near there page 55 mm -hmm. um and he lifts his arm up and he's got the green armpit hair but it's clearly mm-hmm. just like a couple of digital pen strokes, and it just like it sticks out to me. You see that? Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not a big deal, but I, I I can't help but notice it. Scenes in here that I thought were really good. I thought that her conversations with the the vet who who you know had killed all those people. I thought that stuff mm-hmm. was really good. Yeah, I thought that was really strong, sort of truthful stuff. The conversation that she had with Harvey Dent was really interesting. Uh, the bit with Lucius Fox was interesting. You know, on the one hand, like. I don't know. I don't know that I buy all of her insecurity, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean it's not realistic. Sure. So I, I liked I liked his, I like his art a lot. I'm always interested to see him drawing these kind of stories. Uh, I thought this was really f- fun and interesting. I thought it was very classically Batman. Um, and in a week where there was there was really no no one else even giving it a shot as a contender, this was. This ended up being an easy choice only because there was no other option. Okay. Um, but 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 that does not mean I didn't I didn't enjoy it. I did, I did quite enjoy it. I think she, I think they're an interesting pairing uh, in small doses. So mm-hmm. um, Harley number one's your pick of the week. I was really hoping that the Avengers Loki unleashed number one was going to take it, and I probably could have made a case for it. But in the end, it, it was uh, there was just some some sort of little magic missing from it. This was mm-hmm. another one of those. Um, books we're going to talk about another one is the patron pick in which um marvel is going back to their history and, and either pairing classic creative teams or at least one of them to you know to do to return to their favorite characters and this is um roger stern and ron Lim on the avengers it takes place right after avengers 277 i looked it up and i do i do remember that that cover i don't necessarily remember the story but i do remember the cover so this is with a classic sort of late 80s avengers team captain america uh, Monica Rambo's Captain Marvel, bearded Thor, oh. uh, red and silver suited Iron Man and Wasp, um, in a in a little in between the pages adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you read this? Some of it. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. Ron Lim was someone I really liked as a kid. He's clearly much older. The style is a lot looser. Um, I actually really liked the story more than I did the art. Interesting. I, th- I, thought- I think with me, like, like the, the, I didn't, I just actually literally ran out of time. I was reading it this morning and then I had to do something. I ran out of time before we were doing the show. But what I found was that uh, the nostalgic enjoyment of the style, both writing and art, was great mm-hmm. for a little bit. And then it was just like, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on here that I don't. I mean, like I was like, like there, there was a, like the technical level that I was really appreciating. There's the bits where they're referring to all of these 25 year old comic books and i was like wow they're really going for it here yeah like a lot of little a lot of editor's notes yeah the parenthetical like this happened in thor 315 i was like that was forever ago i was a (laughs) preteen when that came out like i'm not gonna be able to go look at this um and that was fun but as i sort of kept going you know like there's a whole page of of uh photon talking to mrs jarvis and i'm like okay it's not i don't need to spend that much time here it's fine 
it is, it is interesting to see. I mean, it's, it's a standard size comic. It's pretty yeah. much a standard size. But how they much really more that story they pack, they pack in as compared to now. And I, I mean, I didn't feel overwhelmed. There definitely was a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you read it and you feel like you're getting a, a good amount of story. Which is what happens every time that we do like a book explode on something from like pre, well, pre-crash basically. Mm-hmm. Like there's no decompression to any of that stuff. They're jam-packing it. And they had two more pages to begin with. But um, yeah, it's true. I guess this is a little longer. I think it's about thirty pages. Yeah, but still, um, it's a very different Loki. It's it's you know, pre sexy Loki, and uh, he's kind of sexy. Well, I mean, it's it's still a, it's a very different late eighties Loki where it, he's not as charming. It's not yeah. as he's not as you know Tom Hiddlestony. Right, but there's also um, this weird bit at the beginning where like the two women are like, "I'll do anything for you." Just and I was like, "Oh, that's uncomfortable now." <laughs> <laughs> Um, his nose changes shape between two panels, which is which is weird. Um, Ron Lim was not one of my favorites back then. He was the guy who would come. Like, didn't he? Did he finish Infinity Gauntlet? He finished Infinity Gauntlet. He did yeah. a long run on Cap. Um, I, I, he, he I, even though I liked him back then, uh-huh. I didn't like that he did Infinity Gauntlet. Um, sure, I think he did Silver Surfer too. He did a lot of books I was reading at the time. I always because I thought of him as like that guy's fine, but he wasn't like some of the other. Like I loved Kieran Dwyer on uh, sure. On uh, Captain America, and I loved you know George Perez on anything or whatever, and so like I was like, oh, this guy's fine. I remember back then, maybe it wasn't John Romita Jr. was on Thor, but I think that was in the late '90s, not then. Um, either way, you know, and, but I was already aware of like Simonson and stuff like that, so I was like, well, mm-hmm. show me, give me that guy, you know. Um, this was a you know fun, goofy adventure, and Doctor Strange calls them to help with this you know godlike character, and Loki's involved, and. It's just it was fun to be with these old characterizations. You know, it's a very different Tony Stark. Yeah. Um, he's got the little pencil pencil thin mustache, which is always funny. He hates magic. <laughs> and, um, I love that suit. I do um, too. That was my first Iron Man suit. And I, you know, it's it's a very different time, and it's a very very unrecognizable un- Avengers. If you have not read these books before, I think probably. Um, although although the classic elements are there, they're they're just a little bit different. I just I also really love. The original Thor suit more than the new one. I know a lot of people like the new one better, but I, I do love this old Thor suit. It's just it was it was real fun to go back for thirty pages and r- remember. I don't, there was just something missing, some little magic that that did, wasn't in here that was in some of the other mm-hmm. um, those books that Joe Casey and Mark Wade did that set, t- took place in the old days had a little yeah. bit more of a spark to them. Yeah, Maybe it was true. a little knowing wink. I don't know if it, that was it or not, but yeah, this um, is completely straight up. There's no. There's no self-awareness about it, or at least that I can read. It's just like, no, we're doing what we do. And you're like, oh, that, that's what you used to do. And I liked it. I definitely yep. liked it. But what you, um, a little side note. Mm-hmm. In, in what might be my new favorite program, Wu-Tang, colon, an American saga, in the cold open of the very first episode, um, I actually don't know who the characters are compared to their Wu-Tang guys for the most part. So one of the main characters is talking to his two uh, disabled brothers, and and he starts talking about the Tony Stark uh, when he gets shot and paralyzed by his 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 jilted lover. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is a deep cut to put in your cold open of this show. <laughs> and I was so happy about it. And that's this this era Tony Stark with that uniform. That's true. He may he was using it to because he used it to walk, and then he got he got addicted to the suit. Oh, it's so good, Layton Bob Layton. Um. So in the same way that you. Th- Sort of don't like Harley Quinn. I think I'm coming to the realization I don't really love Ghost Rider. Okay. And so I had a really hard time with the Avengers 24 because it's just it's a lot of Ghost Rider. And I like him in small doses off to the side. I don't know that I really care about him as a as a focal point. So I historically don't really care about Ghost Rider, but I actually am enjoying this story and him in this context. I think this new – I think the Robbie Reyes character is enough of a – departure that it's kind of interesting because like you know i get the deal with the old one um so i was enjoying that and sort of his you know his struggle with light and dark and blah 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 but also the fact that all these other characters are in the book i think is helpful if this was just a straight up ghostwriter story i probably wouldn't be reading it but the fact that we also get damian hellstrom and you know you know captain marvel and and all that stuff um is fun for me i have a harder time with cosmic ghostwriter quite honestly 
who I recognize is Big Goofy, which is why he doesn't actually talk anything like Frank Castle. That's established. I'm not going to complain about it anew. I'm not even complaining about it, but it's weird. And eventually I'm just like, I just, I don't want this all the time. And it's starting <laughs> to feel like, we, we keep talking about this, but. Well, he's like, in a lot of books. because they, It's, it's like as if somebody got a new dog and all of a sudden they're suddenly always posting pictures of their new dog. <laughs> and just like, enough with the fucking dog already. Yeah, what's that like? Uh, you know, but you know, you, you want to put pictures of the dog because you love the dog. That's Cosmic Ghost Rider. I just, I, the whole time I'm like, how is this supposed to be Frank Castle? I don't understand. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed, I mean, I'm enjoying the storyline. I do not want it to go on forever. I really liked, there's a bit, like, there's a couple Avengers bits in here where, you know, where, where Black Panther is, there's, I really like their, uh, the Celestial Headquarters. Mm-hmm. Again, not forever. Just for right now, it's fine. But he charges up his and Captain America's suit so they can they can punch with the power of the mountain itself. And I was like, hell yeah. And then there's another bit where they're preparing uh, that it's <laughs> they're they're gonna put uh, the invader, which is Cosmic Ghost Rider, into the intestinal detention block. And I was like, that's an awesome bit of comic book sentence right there. Yeah, no, I like this. I like the uh, headquarters. I just don't, you know. When you exponentially add more ghostwriters into the story, I'm just like, oh. Nope, uh, I, I totally, I 100% There's a lot. The first page is like 50 of them. It's like, uh, I don't know. Well, that's, the, really that's the whole like lineage thing that is in every comic now. Like every yeah. single one has to have 100 predecessors, and that's totally lame. But I thought look, book looked good. I am having fun with this arc. I like the last issue. I'm, you know, I'm good for one or two more issues of this. And then let's move on to the next thing. Let's finish up the Dracula story. Let's focus on some of the other Avengers. Yeah, we, we, we dropped off some important things, I thought. Um, Dracula and also the ape, you know, the 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 ape as traitor story. They never, never resolved that in any of the spinoffs? Not that, not that I'm aware of. Wow. Uh, you, th- you think it would be in Avengers because it was pretty much an Avengers issue. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm sure Jason Aaron has not forgotten about those things. No, but it's just interesting how, you know, and it's not necessarily bad to bounce around mm-hmm. and then have things pop up again. But yeah. for me, that there were more interesting things happening before this Ghost Rider story. Yep. So I just have to wait it out. That's fine. I feel like um, he's got to do the work to establish who this character is because he was sort of the weakest of all of them in terms of like giving a shit about them. So I think this is a way to be like, to make us give a shit about them and to make the characters give a shit about him. And, you know, so because this is another thing that we've seen a lot of times is there's always the guy on the team who doesn't think he's good enough to be there. Sure. And it's fun for a little bit, but eventually you're like, quit fucking whining, Kyle. You have a power ring. You're fine. (laughs) Let's move along. And this is a little of that. So either kick him off the team or let him be comfortable with it enough. So that's what this story's for. 24 issues of basically the same lineup is actually quite a bit for the Avengers. Yeah, but it comes out every 14 minutes. Yeah, but still, you normally there's a lot more churn in the, in the lineups. Yeah. But um, It's not the old days. Detective Comics 1012, Peter J. Tomasi, Doug Monkey. Only one inker, which is always a surprise to see. Um, actually, I really enjoyed this as a very solid uh, Batman story, even if <laughs> there's a totally ridiculous part in the beginning where Batman – is angry at the beauty of snowflakes. I was just like, oh god, <laughs> this, is, this is not. This is exactly why I didn't want this marriage thing to happen. Um, just stands there <laughs> contemplating the all the useless beauty and talking to Selena in his head about it. And I was just like, ah, oh, this is someone stop this. <laughs> um, that does sound terrible. But uh, but it, I always like Mister Freeze stories, and this was this was a good one in which his henchmen have been going around town to. Uh, kidnap women who are very similar to his wife because he's testing a serum that Lex Luthor gave him to revive his wife. So he has to kill these women to try to revive them to see if it works before he tests it on his wife, which is both scientifically sound and also uh, horrifying. So um, it was good. I mean, stupid year, the villain stuff aside, and really the only test the touching on this is that he got the serum from Lex Luthor. Um, the rest of it's just a pretty solid Batman, Mr. Freeze story, which I quite enjoyed. Um, there's some good Bullock in here. And because he, Bullock's sort of running the show while Jim Gordon's off somewhere because of you're the villain that I don't care about. Um, but, um, you know, other than, other than emo Batman aside, this was a, this was a really fun question issue. about year of the villain. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know where it came from or what it is or why it's on all the books. Did I miss a thing? Do we? Is it there came a- from Justice League and Scott Snyder's ultimately Scott Snyder's metal story, which you you didn't read any of. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically, <sighs> they 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 released this woman named Perpetua from the source wall, other side of the source wall, and she brings with her doom, and she wants the universe to to be to feel doom. So. It got all cosmicy and stupid, and uh, Lex Lex has been powering up the villains to usher in the era of doom, and also told the world that the world is going to end in about a year, so we might as well be assholes to each other and selfish. And 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 in some books, that's like a widespread problem, and other books, it's not even mentioned. So it's you know whatever. All right. Uh, it's 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 best not to worry about it. Okay, that's I, that was that's really helpful. Thank you. I'm, I'm hoping. Did and I'm you, not even 100% sure that's accurate what I just said. That's yeah. what I feel like. Let happening. me ask you this. Did you feel stupid explaining the beginning part? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the proper response. <laughs> um, Black Science 43, the final issue. Rick Remender, Mateo Scalera. He's finally going to stop. Um, <laughs> this. And so, like, you know, the problem. <laughs> I love <laughs> reviews that start off with like a <sighs> the exasperated <laughs> sigh. I mean, this was good. This was very good. Yep. But the problem is, for me, it's been the same one I've had for the last, I don't know, 15 issues or so, is that I'm barely hanging on to the story and barely hanging on to all different versions of these characters. And it's a multiverse story, and they're constantly bouncing around, and who's real and who's not real, and what's, who's, you know, where'd this daughter come from? And she, and, and so I, I, don't, I don't think the emotional weight hit me simply because I wasn't really sure who, you know, who or what. That and then was- at the end... Something happened that I thought was very head-scratching, and we'll, we'll talk about that after we get through the general thoughts. So I think I'm very similar with that. Like, I think I understood what happened, but I had to think about it a lot. So there's mm-hmm. basically two things going on here. They had ended up in a world where Kadir yes. is in charge of everything, and he is a vindictive shit. And so I he, like the, all those issues we talked about, though, because it yeah. was very – we stayed there – we we knew the score, um, yeah. And it was like that was the that was the original Grant and his wife, but not the original kids, right? Something like because that. the original kids got killed. You've already lost me. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Let's just assume that. Yeah, I think they did get killed, and then uh, in that world, Grant rebels, grabs the must. mom and the kids who don't really want to be there. Uh, Kadir sends everything after them. Just bring wants him to bring back Grant alive. Kills. I'm doing this for myself and for you, not mm-hmm. just just summarizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids blow up in a car, and Grant yeah, says, there's a, there's a "Car, this car chase, a shooting. Yeah. It's all exciting and fun." Mateus Galera is terrific at that stuff, and then the kids die in the in and, the. And city. Grant says, "Listen, I know it's bad. You're gonna have to trust me. This doesn't matter. Come with me." Takes her. I'm I'm basically uh, uh, reconstructing the deconstructed timeline here. I think mm-hmm. goes to the secret lab, looks in all the looks in the monitors and they're in his LCD monitor to see all of the possible different worlds to find one that is just like theirs and does. And she says, but aren't there, isn't there a grant and Sarah, I think it's Sarah there. And he says, it doesn't matter. So the other story that was going on, I believe is the one that is happening concurrently with- in the new one. Right, with and so the Grant in that story is actually a happy, well-adjusted Grant, and now shitty original Grant is going to replace him, or take the kids and repl- and 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 thus is the the great dramatic irony. Well, the 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 question I have about that is that the final scene shows the empty lab after a flash of light, and then it shows them in the in the monitor. Mm-hmm. So. Was the grant in the at the at the, the grant? It seemed to me the grant at the surprise party was the original grant. See, no, that's not how I t- I did. I thought that at first, but now that I was looking through it and talking through it, I think that that is a reality where this grant is actually doing pretty well and is happy with everything. And now, original grant in his in his endless quest to fix things but doing it wrongly is now going to go screw that up, and thus like that, it continues. That, that could be. And I thought I thought it was very dark because the implication was he, they were going to go murder other Grant and Sarah and take their place. 
Possibly. Because how else do you how else do you take their place? How else or take you... the kids somewhere else because they won't know the difference. Maybe I guess. Either way, it's dark. I think Grant needs to kill himself. <laughs> it's it's dark in a way that's that is not sad but mm-hmm. dark, but fitting. Like yeah, I'm, would, I'm, not, I'm not entirely convinced that's not original grandpa. I don't know. I, 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 it could be either way. Well, I mean, the fact is that it's vague and you can sort of take however you want, which I also like, which is the point. But also, like, if if there was no resolution to any of this that, that Remender could have come up with that would have been perfectly fitting other than, and thus the cycle continues. Right. Because he, he's smart enough. He knows that. He knows that there's not, like, there's not a resolution to a broken person. Kinda and and to do so would sort of be disingenuous. I think that's my interp- yeah. That's my interpretation. But the fact is that you can make an interpretation. I think is really fun and it's intelligent enough that you're not guessing. Like I know there's intention. I'm not clear on what that intention is, but I don't know that that's not a, a feature, not a bug. I don't know that you can't not fix someone. I think it's more of this guy's hole is so deep. Well, it's not not, fixing this particular hole. Right. Well, that's what I mean. It's not that you can't fix anybody and nobody can get better. But the way that the story and this character have been presented, I don't think. You know what's interesting? Remember the part where he bartered his intelligence away? Mm Mm-hmm. And that never came back. Well, he was was less smart for the rest of the run. Yeah, but... But it it, seems to be... It didn't seem to affect him. This is like in... uh, (laughs) This is a stretch. Uh, in in uh, Starship Troopers, mm-hmm. the bugs come out and they just destroy everybody, and it's really terrible. And then they all just sort of get up and win the battle anyway. <laughs> like they had been stabbed and lost arms and whatever, but then at the end they don't seem to be impaired in any way as they do the final. And that seems to be what has happened here. Oh my God, he's ripped his spine out. Next scene, he's running around, maybe a limp. Well, I don't know. It was it was a good, it was a great series um, that I lo- I definitely lost my way. Came back to, lost my way, came back to. Um, it may read differently altogether when you can really follow all the different I don't, things happening. But I don't know if I can cram that much. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Self-doubt and uh, <laughs> destruction and uh, just R- Rage against authority and conformity. Just, yeah, just it's a lot of negativity. To sort of do. Like, that's why you have to have an artist like Matteo Scalera. Just, just when you're feeling terrible, you go, oh, it is pretty, though. <laughs> just go with that. Uh, hey, kids. Are you like me? Do you like this level of discourse? Are you enjoying the way that we talk about uh, about the books? Well, if you're thinking, I do, I do like that. Or... Or I enjoy hearing it. I don't know if I like it. Uh, but if It's you do certainly like that, interesting. I mean, I'm still here. And you're thinking, how do I make this continue? Well, I got good news for you folks. Uh, there's patreon.com slash ifanboy. And that is the way that you can tell us directly uh, with money uh, that you enjoy what we do and you'd like to support it and get it continuing to go forward. I'm not going to harp on this. If you're listening to this, you've probably heard that before. It does make a difference. It is really helpful. And also... We appreciate the gosh darn heck out of it. Uh, and the next stretch goal, we're at, we're actually we're making progress uh, here, which, you know, may not matter to you, but it does to us. Uh, the next stretch goal will get us to the non-monthly, uh, non-comics uh, monthly media podcast. Um, and then we will upload all of the m- missing video shows, every one of them, to our YouTube channel and re-embed them on the website uh, if that is a thing that you're looking forward to. And you're like, I want to I see you guys wear some shorts. I want to hear you eat cookies. Um, let's do that. But we learned our lesson with that cookies one. Um, you can also go to to this day. I, <laughs> the uh, t-shirt store is over at ifanboy.threadless.com. There are seven designs that you can pick up over there. Uh, um, you don't just have to put them on t-shirts. You can put them on uh, softer t-shirts. You can put them on long sleeve t-shirts. You can put them on three quarter length t-shirts. Uh, you can uh, get a sweatshirt, which is the thing that you put on over a t-shirt. You could... <laughs> Get a coffee mug that you could drink. And if it's too hot, I recommend wrapping a T-shirt around it. Um, <laughs> t-shirt cozy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I recommend one of the darker colors so that you don't stain it with the coffee from that mug. Um, and also you can go – you don't want to deal with any of that rigmarole. Uh, you can go over to ifanboy.com slash support. At that place, you will find a direct donation via PayPal if you want to throw a little tip in the tip jar. Uh, we always appreciate that too. Um, and then finally, there's ifanboy.com slash Amazon that you can use to either find a general link to get over to Amazon uh, and your purchases help support the show. Or uh, you'll find links to buy specific things uh, like the books in our Booksplode are um, – 
pick of the week issue is always highlighted and the music at the bottom of a given show is also there's a direct link to get to that stuff um so thank you so much for everybody who does that let's move along let's get to these books powers of x number five of six and i was into it as we saw the we flashed back to um building the technology for Kakoa with Forge and then Professor Xavier going around gathering the mutants to go live with them. I was into that. I liked the Namor scene. And then it jumped to the future and my, I, I just don't, I just don't, I just don't care about anything happening in the future. There's only, not, there's only one more. No, there's two more of these. One, one more of Powers of X. Mm-hmm. This is issue five. There's six. So there's one more of each one of these. Yeah. That doesn't feel like it. It feels like we're in the longest cold open in history. Well, I mean, I feel like this is what these two miniseries are called open to, you know, yeah. Uncanny X-Men or whatever they're going to do, whatever. This is sort of the status quo setting. It is very much cold open. Uh, and I don't think that I realize that, but I think that's very clear now. And I think I was hoping for a story that would have a, a – the way that it's written basically is like it's one big story. And uh, I was like, oh, it's just it's just a, a – I don't even think a first act, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I was into – I like the Namor scene. I like Namor being like, fuck off. Yeah. I don't, you know, but like – it jumps to the future, and I just do not care. I have what no idea what any of that is. No. None. If you were to ask <laughs> me, I just looked through it just now, and I read this, but I thought, did I read this? <laughs> I don't know, Genuinely, man. Genuinely, I'm not even. They start, they start talking about the phalanx and the dominion and the strong. All I'm just like, nope. Yep. Do not care. I uh, Yeah. The, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Um, I, like, I like this issue of Criminal a lot. Criminal number eight. Baker and Phillips. It was sort of a character study on the young blonde girl who was hooked up with Teague Lawless, and um, she's interesting. She's very different she's, than the other characters in this, this story. Yeah, she's both a catalyst and a bit. I mean, she's not like she's not a troublemaker in that like she comes in, but she is clearly amplifies Teague's um, bad instincts, but also is this. Kind of, she's caring. She cares about the kids. She cares yeah. about him. Yeah, I mean, the first like, way that she's portrayed, it seems like she's going to be like one of those sort of stereotypical gold digger type characters, and that's right. actually not what's happening at all, which I find very interesting. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this, even though, again, like uh, keeping track of the Teague family tree is difficult for me, but um, doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, she, she, she gets double crossed here in the best, you know, sort of way, and mm-hmm. I, I liked following her around. She was, she was really interesting. Yeah. she's tough. Plus, she drives around in that awesome Mark One Green Rabbit, which is a big soft spot for me. Yeah, and that that uh, that betrayal thing at the end was pretty rad too. I, I'm I'm really liking this, um, and uh, this is not related to the story, but in, in, in the essay in the back, Brubaker announced that he's yeah he's helping to put together the final uh, Martini edition for Darwin Cook's um, Parker books, which I'm very interested to to check out. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, no, I I don't tend to think of them as being folks who are close, but I'm that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed both of these. Did you read the White Trees number two, the final issue of that Chip Zdarsky book that was also uh, yeah, it was patron pick. And we said we would, might read it because it was yeah. only two issues. I, I, I almost forgot about it, but then I went back and read it. Uh, yeah, I, I saw what it was, and 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 I went, oh right, I liked it. I thought it was, I thought the second issue was better than the first one. I liked the sort of, I liked the conclusion of it. I wasn't sure how they'd be able to do it in two issues, but in the end, I thought it was a satisfying, you know, workable ending. Um, and I, and I, you know, like, I think what was good about it is that this main character was sort of enigmatic and mysterious. And you're like, what the hell's his problem? And now, like, I was like, I get it. You did that. They did a good job taking that guy through an arc and explaining where he was uh, in a dramatic way. Yeah, I liked him. I liked the, the bit where he was tied up and basically watching everything from the ground. And, and like, he was clearly the best soldier of all of them. Um, yeah. But I, I did feel like it was almost a bit of an overview you know, sure. like there's only two issues and they were, I guess they're a little bit longer than normal, but, um, I would have liked just a little more in depth, you know, in depth mm-hmm. analysis of them. But, uh, I think though it is a realistic thing for this kind of story by characters or artists who were good, but you know, not, not million seller. They're more like culty guys, you know, like indie mm-hmm. bands, you know, they, they went, they did a thing. We're going to do this in two issues and get out in the middle of our other work. And, and I, I can appreciate that. You know, I, I, I thought you this issue, like you said, was better than the first one. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm glad I did not forget to read it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, 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 I'm very confused about Batman Superman. Um, I like it literally as much as I can <laughs> mm-hmm. with these characters. You know, 
the, 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 the who laughs yeah. people. There's a couple of books this week that I appreciated for the art and, and oh. uh, would have been, been fine if you stripped away the dialogue uh, word balloons. Um, and this being one of them. Yeah. I mean, this is Batman Superman up against the, the Shazam who laughs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then know, the plan that's... is that, that, Bat, that Superman infects himself or pretends to be infected. I'm not really clear. Um, however, <laughs> I, you know, I think Joshua Williamson's a pretty good technician. If mm-hmm. I can, if I can give him that. So really he takes these characters and he takes it seriously and he, he does the work. Um, and there's a, there's a scene in here, uh, where Batman is, uh, wakes up sort of in stasis, freaks out, punches the glass, which is what Batman would do, destroys mm-hmm. Kellex, which was uncalled for. And then like <laughs> Superman comes in and Superman's hurt. And yeah. it's a thing you don't see very often. And they get in an argument. Not really. It's, it's, you know, Superman's like, he beat us, both of us. Don't talk to me about this because Batman starts to go into his Batman mode and they mm-hmm. kind of stare at each other and there's an acceptance. And I was like, that is an excellent page and character moment. That is what I want out of a Batman Superman book. Um, and I thought that was really, really strong. Um, well, that's why I'm still reading it as much as yeah. I hate the the world because I, I think for obviously David Marquez art is terrific. And I think if this was a regular story and not the tied into the who laughs business, it might be a bigger book. But um, the well, I assume that's what it's going to be. I hope so, but the characterization between the two of them is great, <clears throat> and there's some good, there's some really good uh, sequences here. There's the the scene on page six uh, where Superman, you know, confronts Shazam. I thought those paced really well. There's some, there's some good um, uh, rhythm to those p- small panels. Uh, I, I like them together. I like the way it looks. I just, I just don't like anything to do with with uh, these characters. Yeah. So it's almost like if that character wasn't called Batman who laughs right. and he was just some crazy bad guy, it would be better. Yeah. That, that not that stupid eye thing, but either way, there's, 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 there's enough good here that it's worth. I mean, we, it's, we, we've certainly had them fight dark versions of themselves before. It's, it's not unusual. It's just, for some reason, this is particularly a sadistic group of, and I just like, I don't really care about them. Yeah. And also it go, like, I, I get the point. It goes on for a while. It isn't, there's not like another level to the, the, who laughs? I don't know what to call them. That was the books, or those were the books we're going to talk about this week. But there's always the patron pick the, at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Uh, the ifanboy patrons get to vote to add a book to the rundown. This week, it was a squeaker. And the winner was The New Mutants, War Children, number one. This is another one of the Marvel books, much like uh, The Avengers Loki Unleashed, in which the classic team, or part of a classic team, returns to their their, their characters that made them famous. And this is a single issue done by, written by Cliff Claremont, drawn by Bill Sienkiewicz, about the New Mutants, um, who, uh, which is a team that uh, really helped make Sienkiewicz's name in the early 80s. And uh, I um, did not care one whit about what was happening story-wise, but I liked looking at it. I had a little bit of a different journey mm-hmm. uh, in that... Um I felt that way at first. In fact, I was completely lost. I was like, who the fuck can read this? Unless you are like way up on what those, and these were very popular, very, so there's lots of people who probably are like, yeah, but even so, like I had no idea who anybody was other than like, like, oh, that's Wolfsbane. I know her from this book and all. And I remember sort of trying to read this when I was a kid and just going, nope, I don't, I, don't I, know, I never read them. Just, just never even looked at a movie. I think I tried. Even, no. Like there was a bit where I was like, everyone's supposed to like this Claremont guy. And then, you know, and I'd read, uh, uh, Dark Phoenix Saga, and I was like, I get that. But then after that, I was I was just never able to. I did like looking at it for sure. Um, I like that. I mean, I don't remember exactly what those books like, but it sure doesn't seem like Sienkiewicz has lost a step. I mean, like Mm-mm. he's full on. I will say though that by the very end of it, I I kind of I was a little into it. Well, that's good because it had sort of you know uh, I don't know anyone's name Ily- Iliana, you know like. They they've sort of found a way to defeat Magic. her and and um, Cipher, who mm-hmm. I don't fully understand, you know, sacrifice makes a sacrifice to help save Warlock, and it, it's pretty difficult to not like the Warlock character to, at a certain level with his goofy eyes and the way that he talks, as long as it's not super everything super crazy. Mm-hmm. That stuff was kind of interesting, and if I had to spend any time here, this is the this is the best way, and this is enough. Yeah, if if that makes sense. Because I know this is one of those things where like people really responded to this and liked it, and I didn't. But that, that well, means at there the must time, be a you reason. can imagine, you know, we were slightly too young for this. Maybe, to, um, 
this would have been 89, you know, 88. groundbreaking stuff. I don't, I don't know if this is how it was back then. Like I said, I never read any New Mutants comics, no, no matter who was doing them. Mm-hmm. So I, I never, it was just characters that didn't interest me at the time. So, um, I have no context for what this means in the, in the hist- in the history of the, of Marvel and no context for what it means in the history of the book. Um, I just know that, you know, these are two legendary creators and, um, I did not like the story, but I can, I can see why it worked for people. Um, and Sienkiewicz is all over the map in the best way with his style here. He, mm-hmm. he's, first, he's, he is drawing in a style he used to draw in more, um, but for the most part. But then he goes <laughs> off and, and does a lot of different things, which is which is his strength. And uh, and Chris Sotomayor really colored the crap out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy to do that and make it look correct. Correct. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, no, it it was weird. Yes, it was. And, and I, don't, I don't know. How, I don't even know how to rate it because. I did not enjoy the story, but I liked it looking at it a lot, so I'm not even sure what to do. Mm-hmm. But anyways, but you, you're going to You liked the story, and you liked looking at it a lot. I, so I didn't say I liked the story. I found a little something to hold on to by the end. Most of the time, I was like, who the fuck are these people, and how am I supposed to know what this is, and who is this for? That is mostly what was happening. Well, it's for, it's for the many, many New Mutants fans. I know, but... The, the, you know there are certain rules that that people follow to try to at least at least help people get along, and there was none of that here. And and you know that's well, it's interesting choice. because that's something that comics back then were known for. Chris Claremont, you know, was very good at giving you names and power sets and everything within the context of the story. And I didn't, I just, you know, luckily most of these characters have been around for a while. Yeah. You know, Magic is certainly in the in the X Men right now, and uh, Cannonball and Wolfsbane and Sunspot. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't know Magma. I don't know Karma. Cipher. I feel like he's been around. Obviously, Kitty Pride and Lock. He just Lock showed up in one of the Hickman books, I think. Bright Wind. I don't really know anything about. So there was some of them I didn't. Know, I'd never seen before. You just um, remembered a lot. Just I don't know if you're going through it, but you remember. No, the there's, names. A, there's a page where they're all introduced by oh, name. Okay. Where they're all. It's page. Uh, page three, mm-hmm. and. Um, they're all dreaming of, um, or not dreaming, but uh, I mean, it's a really cool page with um, Hella in the middle, and uh, I don't know. It it was a weird book. Yeah. All right, give book. it a number. You got to do it. Ratings. 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 Uh, three and a half. Wow. Well, I, I you know, it's, I thought the art is out of this world. Mm-hmm. All right. I was gonna say two and a half, but now I feel like. Hey, do do what you need I am, to. I am I am going to go two and a half, and that's pretty much a hundred percent art. Okay, we might that's be fair. Worth more. Nothing wrong with that. There's been a there's been a, we have cordially disagreed many times this week. That's fine. It is. It's good. It's healthy. So let, let's talk. Uh, yeah. let's, that's 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 a patron pick. Those of you uh, who are patrons uh, get to vote on that every week, and and we are generally glad that you do that. I think this was actually a, this was a good that was a good choice. I actually like talking about that, and I kind of liked having to read it, other than not really enjoying it while I was reading it. But um, another thing is the folks who are donating at a five dollar or higher level. Um, get a free patron free, get a patron power uh, that we will assign to them when we get to them on the list, and then we do it in an orderly process, and it will be your turn when it does. And this week, you know whose turn it is? It's Jack Scott's turn. Mm-hmm. And, and what Jack can do uh, is that he can read any book in any language, uh, regardless of whether he knows that language or not. So he can he can pick up any text uh, if it's Braille or it's in Hebrew or German. He can he can he can read it. So does it appear to be in English, or he just understands it? He just understands it. Now you could ask, you could ask him a question. You know, you know, esta la biblioteca aquí. He'd be like, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but if he wrote it down, he could understand it. Or does it have to be a book? He has to read it. It's in, it has to be a book. I'm going with that. A book bound matter, bound printed matter. Actually, as I believe the printed and published. By a not, reputable publishing company? No, it doesn't have to be. You can do self-publishing. It's fine. Bounded, bound, and bound and printed matter. Alex Herrera, the, this power might be a duplicate, but I don't care. Uh, Alex Herrera knows all of the angles, so <laughs> he can look at anything and sort of sees the 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 hand the, ch- the chalk handwriting in the in this in the air that's calculating the angle of anything. So. Um, 
you know, uh, if he was at the gym and somebody was stretching their legs, he could see how what 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 angle, how far out their legs are stretching, or mm-hmm. he could he could see, um, you know, if there's a there's a there's a board that's maybe warped, how much that board is warped, what percentage of uh-huh. angles is warped. So he knows um, all the angles, literally. Yes. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, Luis Good Recchi- for construction. <laughs> Luis. Luis, I want to say Recchio or Recio, probably the latter. Luis Recio? Recio? Uh, Luis. Actually, I think the C is silence. Rio. I don't believe so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not aware of a, of a silent C in that context. Uh, Luis always knows if it's worth it to upgrade. Ah. Should, I, should I upgrade shipping? No, nah, it's going to make it on its own. Oh, should I get the new phone? No, nah, it's not worth it. Should I, should I get the seat? Uh, should I upgrade the seat in the plane? No, the seat you have is going to be just fine. You're going to be comfortable the whole time. He always knows whether it's worth it to upgrade. That's that's very helpful. That's very financially helpful. Sure. Well, he also knows, yeah, no, you need to upgrade if you want that package to get there by Tuesday. Yeah, no, like, do you want the extended warranty? Oh, yeah, it's going to break. You're going to want to get that. <laughs> do you want pet insurance? Yeah, that's, that's not looking good. <laughs> so he's like a <laughs> upgrade psychic. All right. That's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, the enigmatically named B, the letter B, um, can smell the best truffles. <laughs> Faster and more effectively than pigs or at the same level? At, at, at the same level as the best truffle pig. Okay. He, if you put him in a contest, like a like a Westminster dog show contest, but for truffle pigs, he would uh-huh. be in there. He'd be in the mix. I got to tell you, that explains B's disgusting, filthy face. <laughs> well, he's often in the dirt. And that's, you know, it's not a knock on B. It's a very lucrative business. Sure. If he wants, to, he, if he wants to move to the south of France or I believe Croatia, there's a lot of truffles coming out of now. Uh, he he could do very well for himself. Okay, two things. One, you know, he, he it's good because he doesn't have to worry about the upkeep and maintenance of animals. He's just mm-hmm. he's just a one-man operation and it's a, it's a big profit. Uh, two, how do you know that there's a truffle industry in Croatia? I think I read how does about that come somewhere. up? I don't know. You are really getting everything out of that New York Times subscription, aren't you, son? Yeah, and also I just read a book about truffles. Um, what made you pick that up? I know that we mystery. have to move on with the show. <laughs> it's a mystery uh, that was that was oh. had to do with truffles. It wasn't like about truffles. It just so you didn't that was like, truffles with a MacGuffin. I've always wondered about truffles. So I've read this history yeah. of truffles tome. <laughs> no, that's what I, I mean. I, I, I would not necessarily read that book. I don't. I don't. I don't doubt it. I. I do not doubt it. But yeah, so B B could B is a truffle hunter. <laughs> Patreon.com slash <laughs> fanboy. That's where you can go and you can uh, sign up at the five dollar high level, get your own superpower, or or any any level you can vote for the Patreon pick or come to the hangout, which is this weekend. Uh, so uh, you can uh, check that out, patreon.com slash fanboy. Let's do some emails. Pick one. Brian from Chicago, Illinois. Chicago says that. I've been thinking about this question since watching Into the Spider-Verse with a brief break to ponder why nothing makes sense and if anything else matters. Of the big two's popular characters introduced in comics over the last 20-ish years, it seems very heavily skewed to Marvel. Miles Morales, Jessica Jones, Miss Marvel, Spider-Gwen, etc. have all become popular mainstays in comics and successfully represented on TV or film. Miss Marvel is coming to Disney+. Plus. Do you think a big reason DC bought, brought Bendis was to build a new IP? The only successful character I can think of on the DC side is Harley, who was introduced in the cartoons as opposed to the comics. Is it possible DC is worried about the well be- being dry? Are DC characters outside of Batman losing their connection with younger re- audiences? Am I missing some great DC new char- great characters from DC that are new? Uh, I have many thoughts. Oh, One, you, you can go. I, I, this won't take a long time. No, uh, I just think there's n- I think the main answer is no. See, I think that actually that's pretty smart. Of, it's a, of, it's a, it might be a side benefit, but that wasn't the main. Yeah, thing. yeah no, exactly. No, I, I believe that, but I think that you know I, you, those those executives wouldn't be worth anything if they didn't think of that. They say, "Look around. Look at he actually has created characters that have some life." Um, and I, I that's a really that's it's an interesting observation that I wouldn't have made, and I think there's something to that. Was it a huge part of them bringing him in? I don't know. Um, however, then then the other bit is is it a problem, and why for DC? What do you think? Um, mm, I don't think it's a huge problem. Um, I mean, first of all, we should mention she's already created Naomi. Whether or not she sticks or not, we'll find out. She's show, she's showing up in another book. She was in uh, Action Comics yeah, this yeah. week. Um, 
Also, Namor is a really bad name for a superhero. Uh, <laughs> Jessica Jones. Well, Jessica wasn't a superhero. That was the difference. Yeah, she, um, was. she was Jewel. She was Jewel when she was a superhero. Right, I know, but um, I mean, I, 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 in the list of problems that the comic industry has right now, I, new characters not sticking is not really one I think of because it's never. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's an it's an era based on characters created in the thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties, and somewhat in the seventies. The new, when, when, when any new character does stick around, I mean, it's always a nice surprise. But I, I never think it's something that's holding the industry back. Well, I, but I think if you bat, if you pull out the the view a little bit, I think there's probably something to be said in terms of IP. Um, and one of the reasons that I think that Marvel is able to utilize their IP is that they've been successful with utilizing the stuff they already have. So they have to look at like what's next. So they've got all the Avengers, they've got Spider-Man, they've done whatever, and they're like, well, shit, let's do Jessica Jones. That's a good property. Hey, yeah, we can do that and try it in this way. Whereas DC has not been as successful at at translating. And there are all these TV shows, you know, but on a level, it doesn't, doesn't match with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So in a way, Marvel's just ahead. They've used up what they have a little faster, whereas DC, DC's already still trying to exploit what it is they've already got in a way that is effective. I would say yes, but you know, there's still there's still reams of characters they haven't touched on either side. And it's not like sure. they need new characters. There's there's tons of them that haven't been exploited, and for whatever reason, you know, you the characters who are newer tend to be more younger and more racially diverse, and that's easier to sell these days. So. And smarter to sell these days. So and also, just there's certain things from comics from a long time ago that are a tough, tough sell. You know, I mean, yes, I think you can make anything work with, with the right with the right context. But it, I would just say, it's not like DC's like, God, dude, we've, we've done all these characters. We need new characters to make movies out of. They haven't even made more than you know. It was a big deal in Justice League happened because it's the first time we ever saw a lot of these characters on the screen. It's not like we're they're, they're rushing to exploit new characters because they're, the old ones have been used up. They haven't well, they suck even at. barely. Yeah, but that's that's other. They haven't, but they haven't scratched the surface. That's so. what I mean. Yeah, so they're they're not. But that's I'm saying the same thing. Like they haven't scratched the surface. Like they haven't. They don't. They haven't. They haven't needed to go deeper because they haven't even figured out what's on this. They haven't skimmed the the top of what they have. And one one other tiny thing would be that you can dig out some old Marvel character from the past who appeared in an issue of Avengers here and had a small run or maybe even a miniseries or whatever, but it is a lot easier from a publishing standpoint to say, we have this show called Jessica Jones. Here are these three books. Right. And you can sell oh, them. I mean, they're doing that, they're, you know, Shang-Chi. Yeah. Much, much maligned, you know, announcement there. Like, you know, that's not one you can easily dig out. Here's a classic Shang-Chi story. Exactly. So from a publishing standpoint, it actually makes sense because the way that these characters, Ms. Marvel the way that their products have been packaged so far is really easy to introduce to a larger audience who are looking for them as opposed to some crappy like Best of Chang-Chi featuring, you know, a story from 1968, 1972, 1970, you know. Right. Yeah. Werewolf by Night or something. I think it's a nice feature of having Bendis in your universe. I don't think it's why they hired him. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a add-on. Yeah, but it, it is a, it is a, it's a I think it's an intelligent It's the, it's the true code. No, the true code is worthless, and you know it. It's uh, uh, it's, it's heated seats. Yeah, that's true. Let's do one more email. All right, Nick from North Nick from North Jersey. I was listening to. So I'm gonna just say it in my neutral voice. I was listening to Seven Hundred and your talk about Kang. I made a fist in the air, yeah. uh, as as he would. He conquers. I started to think about. How and why do you fall in love with a character? Is it based on the look, artist design, or costume, or superpowers, personality traits, or dialogue? Is it a certain story arc, backstory, or creator? Or is it one of the above or a combo of the above with no discerning blueprint? I was going to ask what's your favorite Kang storyline, but my question actually is, if you took that one storyline out, do you still love the character? I mean, it's like when you bite into food and you like it. Like, why is, is it the, the ingredients? Is it the way it's cooked? Is it mm-hmm. what you wanted that moment? It, there's all it's, – it's magic. It is – it's a – it's a – I would say – what's interesting is here is that Nick wrote every possible thing that it could be. And right. then he asked, is it a combination of those things with no discerning blooper? It's that. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a melange. It's a certain uh, je ne sais quoi uh, yep. to use more French words. You know. Oui. I'm. I mean, I'm not like a Kang super fan. I don't own everything he ever showed. You ever asked me about a Kang storyline? I could give you two or three, and then I'd start to lose it. Like they're right. not you just, like you just like them. 
Yeah, when he shows up, you're like, look at him. He's ridiculous. He's purple and green. He has, like, high thigh, high boots. He's got a weird head. He goes through time. He's been three other characters. Right. He's, you know, he's he's without irony. You know, like, he's that sort of 60s Marvel villain. And that's just for Kang. Yeah. The reason why you like Kang is different than the reason why you like another character. That's Everything is – everyone's different. And I keep – and I – you know, I can point to Avengers Forever, or I can point to Young Avengers, or all kinds of stories with Kang that were great. But is that the reason those why I love more? Those are the first two I had. Or is it because he's ridiculous and fun? And represents. And when he pops up, when he pops up, it's always it's always a good time. Like that's yeah. To me, that's more important than the actual stories he's been in. In terms of like, these are the classic Kang stories you must read. And you know, he um, represents an earlier time in comics, and therefore right. a part of our youth, and a you know, a bit of kind of an innocent earlier age. And I know that that's a loaded thing, but still, you know, it's it's like the freedom to be silly. I feel the same way about Doctor Doom. Sure. Like I I. I would have a hard time pointing to more than two or three Doctor Doom stories. I'm like, these are great Doctor Doom stories, as opposed to just saying, I love Doctor Doom. He's he's awesome. His name is Doctor Doom. He yeah, wears a suit of armor. He wears Doom a green is, cloak. Doctor Doom has been more heavily explored, you know, like in the Sure. I'm just saying that, that there's a lot of the characters just right. like it's a feeling more than like a specific, this is a great Doctor Doom story. It's more like he is awesome because he's, he's goofy, well, but also scary. Let me ask you this. Because he's goofy. If they were to say we're going to do a Kang miniseries, do you think that would be a good thing or a bad thing? It really depends on. on I know, like, but my, my point is, like, if there was a Kang miniseries come out, I'd be like, oh, don't do that. Just have him show up. I mean, you, I mean, you could you could you could argue Avengers Forever is a Kang miniseries. It is, but it's not called that. You know, yeah. right? No, I don't. I don't tend to. Like, want I don't want to like. You would want a series. No, no, and much and the the irony of of talking about it during this episode is I don't necessarily want villains to have. Uh, you know, serious. Even though I liked Har- Harleen a lot, but um, I also I don't want to see Kang any more than I already do. Slightly more. He's hard. He, we we don't see him a lot. You want, I know, but that's what makes it special. I guess we saw him a bit in that. Um, it was an Inhumans. Inhumans in that Inhuman series, but good in that. Charles Charles Soule did a good Kang. He did. He um, had a great line for I am Kang, and I was like, that's the <laughs> you got you nailed it. You nailed it, Charles. <laughs> it's it's a it's a ineffable quality. It is true. And uh, it's, it's less about the particular stories. It's more about the, the feeling the character gives you. And, and the and feeling can come from anywhere. You're absolutely right. Like, there are other characters I love for a completely different reason. Like, we talked about Hawkeye a lot. You know? Yeah. You know? I, you know, that there's, a, there's real character reasons why I like that as opposed to, you know, it's a different... Yeah, he's got blonde hair. That too. Hey, man. That's why you like it. It turned out that white blonde guys needed to be affirmed as well. Uh, <laughs> it turns out that white blonde guys also like to see themselves on the page. Just like that's a Jackson. Good for me, um, but you know, that's fine. So yeah, yeah, you can't really. There, there's not like a story we can point to and say this is why I love Kang. It's more like all, all, all the reasons are why I love Kang. You know, you, you said it. It's like why do you love that food? Why do you like a given song or a certain artist? There's going to be different reasons that they give you the feelings you do. It's a magic. It is. Yeah, that's because it's literally the magic of all this stuff. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's where you can write in. Thanks for writing in. We got a bunch of good emails this week, and we'll try not to skip them as, if we can. Yeah. Uh, what's what's what did we just put out, Josh? We just put out uh, Talks Below with Brad Meltzer. Um, I don't know if he's the most famous person who's been on the show, but he's up there. Uh, he was a good guy. We had a good chat for a little while. Then he had to go get his kids, so um, we did that because he's a good dad. That's and that's the most important thing. Um, and because that was actually supposed to be the August show, um, we will also this month have uh, a new. I'm I'm getting into your thing, but we will have the book explode a little bit late. Uh, well, the book explode will come out probably um, like October third. So it, it's technically a September show, but it's going to come out like October third, and then we'll try to get back on track for the rest. And of And I that. will have a talk explode for you in October, provided that you got to understand a lot of people bail at the last second. <laughs> yeah, and also that you know you wait for the last you wait too long and you're like oh shit this is actually going to come out the f- first two days of the next month and it just sometimes sometimes these happen. Well, but, with uh, with Brad, I'll call him Brad. Um, with Brad, they wanted to time it with the release of his new books, and that wasn't until October 10th. So they said, "Can you hold it?" And I said, "Sure." September 10th. Yes. Oh, was it? Yes, September 10th. It's October. Did I? That's okay. 
Don't. Not important. Not don't important. fuck with me, Kilpatrick. So as Josh said, Booksplode uh, for September is going to be Sleeper Book One, which comes out um, uh, uh, soon, later this week. Later yeah. this week. And then uh, next week is the release of Joker. There will be some grouping of people reviewing that, which we're figuring out right now. And then at the end of the month, there will be a review of Wonder Woman Bloodline, the latest animated film from DC's universe, DC Universe's animated original film line. So you'll have three new shows in October. There's no, there's no lack of special edition uh, auxiliary shows is what we're saying. Correct. Cool. Correct. Uh, We've done a lot of those kind of shows. I think I'm on the in the 80s of the the Talksplodes. It's funny because I refer to myself as an interviewer. And I'm like, you do this six times a year. Hold on there. You know Terry Gross, buddy. Um, but still. Uh, over to, uh, well, as, we, as, we, as we discovered, episode 700 was our 1,000th audio show. Although not even really. There's more than that. They yeah, I was going to say. That's, but the 1,000th show on our feed. There's more shows on other feeds. But that was the 1,000th yeah. show on our main feed. We've done a lot of shows is the point. Mm-hmm. Um, go there to iFan, but you can find whatever is available there. I think all, all the audio show there? Like the feed they, doesn't they have sh- anything on it. but um, Yes, but they're not all easily found. No. Yeah. And, and I think Make Comics is gone. The posts are there. I don't think the feed, I don't think the actual shows are there. Yeah, which is I'm not happy about it, but there the old the, the old the old websites of mine, bit of a minefield. Find out what the pick of the week is before uh, the show comes out, so you can be prepared uh, by liking Facebook.com/slash/ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter or ifanboycomics on Instagram, where we'll talk about that. There, we make all the announcements. There, we do uh, best of the week in panels, et cetera, et cetera. I had a hard time finding panels this week. I'm going to be completely honest. I found yeah, no, myself- it was it was rough. It was a rough week of comics, honestly. I didn't really – I had a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, when I went to make the script, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't need to talk about most of this. Um, at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram. And that's my part. So if you like the show or any podcast you listen to, one of the great things you can do to help them is to give them a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Not just on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you do, although that's the main place. But any – any device or aggregator or system you use to listen to podcasts, if you can rate or review them, that really helps the shows you listen to. Um, it helps get the word out. It helps the algorithm find shows that are popular and make them more popular, and that's how shows grow their audience. So we do appreciate anyone who leaves a review or, or star rating anywhere they listen to podcasts. We do thank you. But even better than that is to do word of mouth. People ask all the time on social media, what podcasts are you listening to? What comics podcasts? And the people all the time say our show. We do appreciate that, and that's a great way to do that. Um Personal endorsement is quite quite a powerful thing, so we do appreciate anyone who does that and helps a fanboy in that manner. And that is it for this week's show, in which Josh was tired and I have my allergies. <laughs> I just said I was yawning. I'm not. I'm not. I'm good. You were yawning throughout the show. Was I? You were either bored by me and the subject matter and the audience, or you were tired. Do we need to talk about this now, Connor? <laughs> Let's have it out. <laughs> This is because I didn't like your pick. <laughs> Listen, like it or don't like it. <laughs> this has been our last show. <laughs> Talk to you maybe next week. We've been iFanboy. You are coming down with me. Hand in unlovable hand. And I hope you die. I hope we both die. 